Welcome to Grace Bible Fellowship Sermon Archive. Our prayer is that you will be abundantly blessed as you listen to this sermon delivered by Pastor Paul Francisco. Join us as we are pointed to the grace found in Jesus Christ alone, as recorded in God's holy word. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, we will be looking and beginning our study in chapter 5 of Ephesians. And those of you who have been tuning in, uh, either online or here in person, uh, actually since uh, back in March, myself and the elders uh, began this series or this uh, exposition of Scripture through the book of Ephesians. And it has been a joy. There's been so much depth, so much weight, so much conviction in what the Apostle Paul has brought in his letter for us. And this is often called a letter to the church. And I get the privilege as your new pastor to finish this book with you guys. And so if you found your way to the book of Ephesians, to chapter 5, we'll be beginning in only two verses today. And I warn you, two verses uh, doesn't mean we'll be finished early. In fact, there's a whole lot to fit in here. And so, if you have your Bibles, you can uh, read with me in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is his word for us this morning. Let us pray and ask his spirit to illuminate his word this morning. God, you are holy. God, you are sovereign. Father God, you are merciful through your son, Jesus. God, you pour out your spirit on us. And we confess, Lord, we miss the mark. We confess, Lord, that we need you and your word to sustain us. And we confess this morning, Lord, that even here, right here this morning, we bring our baggage into your house of worship. But Lord, we are thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who allows for us to approach the Holy of Holies, the throne of grace, who has given forgiveness a sin for all those who have been called and justified in him. Lord, we pray this morning, may you reveal to us the truth of your word. Lord, I confess this morning, this very word has had conviction on my soul. And I thank you for that. Lord, I am no match for your word. So this morning I ask that I may decrease so that Christ would increase. May we decrease 
so that Christ would increase in our lives. And may we take the truth of these words and live them out as imitators of God as beloved children. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So when we watch someone who inspires us, perhaps a great athlete, I'm always reminded during the Olympics how amazing it is that God gives people such skill and talent to be able to do some of the things that they do. But if you ask these athletes, they will tell us it takes great work and perseverance to continue. And they put their bodies through, in their words, hell sometimes to get to where they need to be. When we see these athletes or we see people in our lives that inspire us, we want to mimic or try to copy them. As a young boy, I remember looking to my father and I watched him do many hard things for us and our family and others. My father is originally from a third world country. He came during time of war, migrated here, met my mother in our sister state, New Mexico. And as soon as he got his green card, he also was issued a draft card. And he served in the army for 33 years. And he was always working hard to be a good soldier and an example to his troops. He was a very experienced martial artist. I remember watching what he would do as he trained others and his troops, and he would try to train me. And most of the time I ended up on the ground as he practiced, but I admired my father for his skill and knowledge. I remember growing up how every time we would take a road trip or go somewhere or at the home, he would plan for emergencies and he would pray over us. Beloved, this morning, our text tells us to imitate God. This is a greater purpose, and it serves to display God's glory for us to be an example to others. So I want to propose to you, beloved, we need to imitate our Heavenly Father so that we can say to our spouses, to our children, And to the others that God has allowed into our spheres of influence to say, follow me as I follow Christ. So I want to give you a a roadmap this morning. Three points. Three things that I can see in this text that tell us how we can be imitators of God. Three observations. And first, it is imitate as a beloved child. Secondly, we are called to walk in love. And thirdly, we see by doing this, it is our spiritual act of worship. So they're out there for you guys, and they should be on the screen at home for you if you want to copy those down. And so follow with me as we look at God's word this morning. It first tells us, therefore... Therefore, 
Whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, it is a key transitional statement helping us remember what was just said. So let's recap on this. Paul has just been laboring in all of chapter 4, calling us to strive in unity of the body. We are told to put away the old self and to put on our new life in Christ through the Spirit. And right at the end of chapter 4, we see this remarkable, this tremendous statement that holds great weight. Don't be unkind or bitter but rather be kind and love. As that verse tells us to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave us in Christ. What a weighty statement the apostle has for us. This very scripture is a scripture that in my family has become one of our memorization scriptures has been one of the things that we've done in our family time and have been a training for our own children in everyday life. It's easy to say be kind and tenderhearted. Easy for us to tell others that. But it's another thing to actually behave that way. Think about those who annoy you or those who Treat us wrongly. I mean, it's very easy. I can see this even in my own children fighting over a toy. But it's mine, right? It's mine. And adults, let us not be mistaken. We do this too. It may not be over a toy or a little kid toy, but it might be over our big boy toys, right? Our big things like that's my car or that's my sandwich, whatever it be. We, we do this too. How about forgiveness? How about forgiveness? Do you have a hard time forgiving others? Think about the grace and mercy of God by Christ's life, death, and resurrection that purchased for you for me, for us, forgiveness. Let us reflect on our own lives. How can we not forgive others when considering God's forgiveness and grace in our lives? But what is true forgiveness? Have you Ever heard anyone say, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget? What, what do they mean by that? Do you, do you think they're displaying true forgiveness? I'll never forget. I'm going to hold it over you. Every time you mess up, best thing is coming out. You did this. Forgiveness, beloved, is not holding contempt and bitterness in your heart towards someone. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is not holding contempt and bitterness in your heart towards someone. Don't misunderstand forgiveness. 
Forgiveness doesn't mean that there isn't consequences for our actions, consequences for our sin in this life now. Think of David, the man after God's own heart, and his sin with Bathsheba, caught in adultery, not by man, but by God. It caused him great misery. The sword was there, present in in his own family. There was division, sons killing sons, people, his own son dethroning him. October 10th, 2010, 10, 10, 10. Something happened in my family's life. Something that you just hear on TV, in the news. But it happened. It happened in my life. It happened in my family's life. And my niece, my beautiful 19-year-old niece at the time, her life was taken. Not in a car accident, not by just some tragedy, but it was brutally taken in an act of evil. And I remember being in the courtroom later as her murderer was standing, sitting there to get his sentence. I first commended the judge and district attorney and all those for their hard work, for being above reproach. But I remember looking into the eyes of my niece's murderer. And I pointed him to the fact of God's mercy. I hope he stays in prison for the rest of his life as the sentence is. He deserves the punishment of here in our life, in in this life. But he too is not too far gone from the mercy and grace of God. Forgiveness is not holding bitterness and contempt in my heart. But it doesn't mean that I don't have a scar. It doesn't mean that we don't have a wound. And it doesn't mean that there is not punishment here on earth for our actions. But it does mean the grace of God is not too far from you, from me, and our worst enemy. Therefore, in light of everything Paul has just said and ending with that profound statement of Ephesians 4.32, he transitions telling us, be imitators of God. How can we be imitators of God? I mean, we just sang about some of these things. He is holy. We're not holy. He's perfect. We're not perfect. He is righteous. We are unrighteous. How can we be imitators of God? Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6, our brother 
John actually preached on this very text. He calls us. We are called to walk in a manner worthy with humility. The mercy of God, beloved, should humble you. Gentleness. The mercy of God should soften our hearts towards one another. Patience. And boy, do I struggle with this one too, beloved. Patience should cause us to be patient with others as God was patient with us in our rebellion. Bearing with one another in love. This is the exact opposite of our old self. Ephesians 4, 25 through 31. It tells us to stop lying. Put away falsehood. Do not sin and be angry. Or be angry and do not sin. It's okay to have a righteous anger, but don't allow it to cause you to sin. Do not steal. Do not speak evil. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not go to your death in unbelief, rejecting God's grace and his mercy. Flee from bitterness. Flee from wrath. Flee from anger and clamor and slander and all kinds of malice. These are the things that will lead us to the path of destruction. As the New Testament word, even Jesus himself used this word, it'll lead us to Gehenna. It literally is translated as garbage dump. But it was a place south of Jerusalem and the fires were hot all the time. And they were burning and burning. And this is the place where those Gentiles, those idolaters, those false worshipers would sacrifice their children. It stunk. It was the trash dump. It was hell on earth. These things, beloved, friend, Christian, these things will lead you down to the path of destruction. Put them away. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. Behold, all things become new. We are to pursue after purity in a life pleasing to the Lord, to love God and love others, right? The greatest commandments. Consider what this should look like in your own life. Beloved, I'm going to ask a series of questions, and I'll let the Spirit prick your heart on these, but I will confess to you right now everything I'm going to say I should quickly run down and receive this exact truth this morning. What does your prayer life look like? How is your speech towards others outside of the church? 
Are you selflessly serving others? How do you treat your spouse? What does your parenting look like? And we are called to imitate God as beloved children. What does that mean for us? We are to imitate God as beloved children. Like for those of us who are parents, like our children, looking and watching our parents, looking and watching you. Parents, especially those with little ones like myself, the greatest theological training we can experience is through the humbling and sanctifying and glorious task of parenting. Do not dismiss this gift from God. It is not wasted. The greatest opportunity to display the gospel of grace to our children is through how we parent. As a husband and wife, the way we speak to each other and display love and respect to one another in front of our kids or the way we cut down one another or speak to each other in anger matters. The way we discipline our children matters. Do we parent to behavior? Stop! Put that down! Listen to me! Stop! Or do we take our child and commit the humbling practice of speaking to their hearts? Speaking to the fact that what they did was disobedience to God and it's sin and that you have forgiveness for them as God has forgiven you and that you love them and reconcile them, pulling back to Christ. This is inconvenient, beloved. Trust me, it is inconvenient when you're upset or annoyed or angered at that moment. But do we parent to the heart of our children? way we serve others with our children watching matters. Do our children see us being kind and tender-hearted towards others, freely giving of ourselves to serve others? Or do they see us selfishly holding back what is ours? Do you have family time with your children or do you just preach at them? Do you listen to their hearts or are you more concerned with their behavior? Do you ask for forgiveness from your children? Do you display kindness and tenderheartedness towards them? Our children, Christian, are watching and we're teaching them something. What is it that we're teaching? Is it the grace of God 
or is it God's wrath? A few weeks ago, and I'm very thankful for all of you who prayed for me and even fasted for me. When I fell very ill, uh, I thought for certain I had COVID-19. And as I began to have breathing problems, I thought I might end up in the hospital. But by God's grace and mercy, it wasn't that, and I recovered. But during that time, the Lord greatly convicted me of my sin in my own life and how I was failing my own family. I was so broken. During this time of COVID, I have allowed things in my house to just happen. I thought it was kind of funny. I'm raising a frat house. They just fall asleep wherever they fall asleep at, wherever they're at. But I was not setting aside the time that I needed to, to invest in my own family. I remember during this time, my daughter, who my children got to participate in the the Bible clubs through GMTC, and praise God for that ministry, we had a family that was uh, joining us. And they ended up having some Bible clubs online as well. And my oldest daughter um, was asked to participate in this. And she was so excited about it. And I was like, God, that's good for you. I lost a moment, a teaching moment, a grace moment to pour into her, to show her how much I loved her, to be excited about the things of God like she was excited about the things of God. And I remember days later, I walked into her room and I saw on the wall and they're still hanging right now. She had took on paper and wrote things like, who is God? How can we glorify God? And so forth. These are the very things that I had been teaching them in our family time. And I found my books on taking God as his word and who is Jesus. And then I was broken. My daughter... She wanted to be like her dad. She wanted to tell people about Jesus. And I did not take advantage of that moment to show her how much love and appreciation I have for her and encourage her in that. Days later, I sat down in front of all my children, weeping, asking for their forgiveness for not investing the time I had in them. Not being the father and leader that I've been called to. Not being the husband that displays the love of God in my life towards my wife. Beloved, Christian, saint, we are called to follow Christ and call others to do so as well. But how can we say such a thing when we're not pursuing the holiness of God in our own lives? This is what it looks like to walk in 
What do you think of when you hear the word love? Young people are so fascinated by their emotions that they mistake this for love. So many will say the words so easily and not consider what that means. Just because you say the words, I love you, doesn't mean you are displaying love. You are called to walk in love. Love is a verb. Walk in love in the manner that God requires. I want to give you a definition of the word love. It's a definition that I think is displays God's understanding of love as he speaks it. Love is freely given of ourselves without an expectation of it being returned. Did you hear that? Love is freely given of ourselves without an expectation of being returned. Without anything. Consider this reality. It is easy to love someone who loves you, but very hard to love someone who is unkind or doesn't do what you are expecting. Husbands, we'll see later in Ephesians 5, 25, we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Sacrificially given of ourselves for our wives, we are to die for them. Sure, you may think in your mind, Maybe in the physical sense. Yes, I jump in a bullet in front of my wife. But we're called to die to ourselves for them. This means willingly to give of ourselves in ways we would not normally desire to do. Oh, this is going to hurt here, guys. Willing to cook a meal for the family, do the laundry, change a diaper. Oh, my gosh. Did I say that? Willing to die to yourself to love and serve your wife the way he loves his bride. Now, all you women here are nodding your heads. Amen, brother, preach it, right? You're not off the hook. God was very specific with men. He had to tell us to love our wives. He had, to, he had like all these verses here. Do this, knucklehead, right? And he, and he, but he only had two short little sentences for the wife, but it has impact to it. God didn't say, have to say the same thing to you. He knew that he created you with a special love in your heart to serve your husband and your family. However, God did say for you to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. This is a willing act of love. Dying to yourself to submit to a husband who may not even deserve it. I don't like what he says. Yeah, I don't like whatever those things are. It's, it's an act of love. It's an act of love. I 
I could say much more about this, but I'm going to save it to when you guys want to be convicted, come back when we hit these, these verses on the family and husbands and wives. I know I'll be convicted. Um, but Christian, God is calling us to intentionally live our lives in love, to live our lives on purpose. Hebrew 10.24 reminds us that we are called to consider how to spur one another on to love in good works. This is a careful, thought-out plan to love others well. The point is that we are to walk in love as Christ loved us. How did he do this? Christ laid down his life willingly. He perfectly served his bride, the church. And he perfectly submitted to the Father in obedience. How are you loving others today? When you do this, you are worshiping. And that brings us to our last point. Imitate God by walking in love. And when you do this, it becomes your spiritual act of worship. And the text says, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we consider the Old Testament acts of worship, we see that God required offerings to sacrifice at the altar. Every year, the people would gather and offer their own sacrificial lambs to God. These offerings required death. But now... We have the once and for all offering of God through Christ. That's your cue. Hallelujah. Brother. And let me, let me just read this for you. Hebrews chapter 9. And I want you guys to hear this. Hebrews chapter 9. I'm going to read um, all the way down to verse 11. It says, and it's talking about this earthly holy place, right? During the time of speaking of the tabernacle and all these things. And it says, now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared. That was the tabernacle. The first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. And behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covering all sides with gold, and which was a golden urn holding the manna, and Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes. 
And he, but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened, as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with the food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made by hands that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal, eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of the heifer, persons with the ashes of the heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh, how much more were the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You see, beloved, you see, Christian, Friend, this is what Christ has done on behalf of a rebellious and sinful people. He has entered the Holy of Holies and offer us the throne of grace. If I was to, and I thought about actually putting this up there on the board, give you the description of the tabernacle, the holy tent. So when the people approached the tent, Outside, uh, there was a, a table, and it was in front of them like this. And they would come carrying their sacrifice um, and met by the priests. This sacrifice had to be inspected without spot, without blemish. Um, they could not even enter the tent. They were, were not worthy, but they had to enter outside the tent and have their sacrifice inspected. Their sin was too great. But inside the first section of the tent, the priest would go into the tent and perform his ceremonial cleansing near the lampstand and the table. And this was representative of the, the cleansing by the Holy Spirit. And this is where they would slay the sacrifice on the altar. There would be the presence of the bread there. The lampstand would be burning. And just going into the Holy Holies would be the burning of incense. And then, not just the priest, but the high priest. And only once a year, not only did he have to bring blood for the people, but he didn't have to bring blood for himself. And when he entered the tent in the second part of the Holy of Holies, they actually tied a rope around him so that if he was unclean and defiled, God would strike him dead. This happened. And they would die. So the priest would be able to pull his dead body out of there because he went in the presence of the Lord defiled, unclean. He would have to even approach walking backwards. Scripture tells us. If you look through Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you can read a lot about what I'm talking about. But now, beloved, because of Christ, the curtain has been torn in two. 
And we can approach the holy of holies, the presence of God. Christ was the perfect, spotless, righteous lamb of God who took away the sins of the world and through his blood we can approach the throne of grace. Now this is love. Now this is sacrifice. And this is the means through Christ how we are able to worship. When we imitate God as beloved children and we walk in love, this is our spiritual act of worship. Let us follow hard after Christ and pursue holiness so that our act of worship is a pleasing sacrifice and aroma to God. And as the worship team comes, let me part with these words. Friend, we will fail in our attempts to turn and look to Christ. It starts with God and salvation through the drawing by his Holy Spirit and faith through Christ. It is a supernatural work of God. Christian, be encouraged in your feelings. He did what we could not. Look to Christ. Repent. Follow him. And since I'm no match for God's word, we will end our time by hearing from God's word. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, begins with these words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as holy and living sacrifices, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Praise the Lord that his word is sufficient for our every need. Join us next time as we continue our study of God's infallible word. We would also love to have you join us in person at Grace Bible Fellowship. We meet together each Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9.50 a.m. for Connections Sunday School and from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our worship service. We're located at 1385 Northwestern Drive on the west side of El Paso, along with our hosting sister church, Mission de Gracia. If you have any questions, you can dial 915-308-1208 or visit our website at www.gracebibleelpaso.org. We would love to see you this Sunday as GBF gathers to proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. Thank you.